two selections here number three and then didn't, didn't we sing that one today holy 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 oh number three of that oh five all right go back to 501 my apologies <clears throat> 501 verse three <laughs> i had to jump back to it too i Thank you for clarification. Verse 3. Joy floods my soul, for Jesus has saved me, freed me from sin and love that enslaved me. His precious blood he gave to redeem. Now I belong to him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me, but for the years of time alone, but for eternity. And what was that number, man? 492, just a couple pages back. At Calvary. Would you like to read the verse associated with that right under the title? That's right, Luke 23, 33. At Calvary. Let's sing the first verse and chorus. I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on this one. 
No, it's okay. <laughs> Mr. Bob, would you like to read that verse with that one, sir? with that one? Which is just something else. We need to be sharing the gospel with people. We need to be out there in every domain of life, whether it's work, whether it's at the gym, whatever the case may be, share the gospel with folks. Rescue the perishing. Let's sing first verse and chorus. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Be poor the burning ones, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus the mighty to save. Care for the dying Jesus is merciful Jesus will save Thank you. You may be seated.
I'm good. Good to see y'all out this evening. Am I too loud? Everybody all right? Okay. Well, I can already see it's been a while since I've been up here because my font's not quite big enough. I can see that. Um, go ahead and take your Bibles this evening and turn to the book of Ezra. The book of Ezra. We'll we'll kind of skim over six and seven, but our our main uh, our main text will be in chapter nine. You know, it's probably been a a month or so ago. I was, I mean, you know, you don't just kind of get into the book of Ezra or thumb through it or flip through it, but somehow I found myself there and kind of got a lot of truths there and the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And when the pastor asked if I would fill in, that's kind of the first thing I thought of. So I don't know about you, but our country needs some restoration. Would you agree with that? Amen. Uh, you know, whether it's our family or spiritually. I mean, the, the, the bottom line is, is is you can look all around. You don't have to look very far. I mean, we are in deep need of restoration. And uh, so that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight is restoration begins with preparation. You know, the book of Ezra, just a little background uh, the book of Ezra records the beginning of the restoration and return of the Israelites from, from Babylon to Judah uh, to restore temple worship. Uh, you know, I read that there were approximately 50,000 Jews uh, that, that made that track, but actually some of them decided not to go back because they liked Babylon. They liked to, to make money. They liked that comfort. They, they got comfortable and didn't go back. Uh, there are three different returns. Um, one led by Zerubbabel, which happens in the book of Ezra. And then secondly, Ezra himself. And then thirdly is uh, Nehemiah. So that's kind of where we are in the book of Ezra. It kind of describes their journey in, in verses uh, 1 through 8. Uh, and, and then in chapter 9, uh, we get into a little bit of an issue. But in chapter 6, you know, the temple was rebuilt and dedicated and everything seemed to be going well. And in that way, it happens in our life. Everything's everything's fine. We're we're going forward. We're making progress, and it just seems like everything is fine. Well, in chapter seven of Ezra, um, Ezra is actually introduced as a scribe and a priest. Um, but what we need to understand, and I'm not going to pretend like I'm smart enough to tell you exactly how long it was, but from in chapter six. To chapter 7, there were several years. Some people I read said there was anywhere from 50 to 58 years, a period of time between chapter 6, when the temple was rebuilt and dedicated and everything going well, and chapter 7, when Ezra was introduced. Uh, Ezra 7, verse 1 says, Now after these things, after all those things, 50 plus years, Ezra is introduced. Look at verse 6. This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord of God of Israel had given, and the king granted him all requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. So immediately we, we understand one thing about Ezra for sure. He, he, he's a priest, and he, he's described as a ready scribe in the law of Moses. That means he knew the law, he studied the law, he, he um, performed the law, he, he, was, he was very quick and, and skilled and practiced the law. 
And and later on in that chapter 7, it says the hand of the Lord was upon Ezra, and God was about to use him to lead more Jews back to Jerusalem. So in chapter 8, we've introduced to to Ezra in chapter 7, and chapter 8 describes their journey and how they had the favor of a pagan king. Um, Because you've got to remember, a Persian pagan king told Ezra, here's what I want you to do. All those of a free will that want to go with you, you can lead them back. And oh, by the way, I'm going to finance it. I'm going to give you support. You'll have escorts. So what I'm telling you is, how how do we apply that particular uh, uh, point today? Look, we we think things are spiraling out of control. Would you agree with that? I mean, it, it it is shambles, but... God uses a pagan king to send a man of God and provides the way for him, provides protection and financial uh, support to do God's will. Now, so we think, hey, everything is out of control right now, and it seems to be on the surface. But let me tell you, God is still in control of this thing. He, he, He picks them up and he puts them down. And so we have to trust in that. God is still in control. So this brings us to our main text in chapter 9. And, and that was a, a quick flyby. But chapter 9 is where we want to be. And so everything's going great. Ezra is introduced as a, a scribe and a priest. And, and, and he's a, uh, a learner of the law. And he practices the law of Moses. And in chapter 9, verse 1 is where we'll start. Chapter 9, verse 1. Now when these things were done, the princes came to me saying, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations, even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. Verse 2, For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yet the hand of the princes and rulers hath been chief in this trespass. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you tonight, God. I just want to, I want to thank you and praise you for who you are, Lord. And just thank you for our pastor and our church. And I pray that him and Susan would have a great time and you just bless that time together for them. And for us tonight, God, I pray that we would Get from Your Word exactly what You would have us to get and, and see how we are in need of restoration, Lord, and see what that formula looks like and how You're at the center of it all. And we just thank You and praise You for who You are and pray that we do everything for Your honor and Your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, so first two verses of, of chapter 9, when everything seemed to be going well, now we've got a problem. You say, well, what's the big deal? Ezra gets a report of intermarrying um, in the princes and the rulers with the ringleaders, which is a direct violation of God's law, Deuteronomy 7.3. Let's get this out of the way right now. It was not a race issue. okay? It's not a race issue at all. It's a spiritual issue. And that's what we have now. We, we have spiritual issues and not race issues. I mean, we've, we, you know, acts, it, we're all of one blood. There's two kind of people in the world. Two kinds. That's it. Saved, born again, regenerated, and lost. And we, our job, 
is to witness to the folks that are lost. So there's only two kinds of people. So so don't don't get sideways on this right here. This this is this is not a race issue at all, but a spiritual one. Second Corinthians six fourteen. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I mean, what what does light and darkness have to do with each other? Second Corinthians chapter six verse seventeen. Come out from among them and be ye separate. So why is it such a big deal? Because remember Ezra, a ready scribe, skillful studying the law of Moses, he's seen what had happened when the law was broken. Would you agree? Choose to sin in the Old Testament. Choose to suffer. Judgment's coming. There's always judgment for sin. So this was huge when he heard this news. Uh, when they came to him and he got this news, he was, he was kind of taken back. Now, how did you, um, how did you act when, or, or, or what came to your mind with all this stuff going on, how did you react when you heard all this news of everything that's it's been boiling in our country for really six months to a year, actually? Uh, and it just kind of keeps to continue to get more volatile and more volatile, it seems. So how do we handle life when everything seems to be going as planned? And just like that, it seems to be falling apart at the seams. I mean, can you relate to that? that? That's what Ezra is about to be faced with because he knows, listen, there's judgment coming. We, we can't just sin. We can't disobey the law and there not be consequences for what's about to happen. Because remember, he was a ready scribe. He was a ready... He, he knew the law and he knew what the consequences may be. Look at verse 3. I think we can see right here in the, in the rest of this chapter just how we should, just how uh, Ezra is going to give us a formula of how restoration takes place. Verse 3. And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and set down a stony. Verse 4. Then were assembled unto me every one that trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of the transgression of those that had been carried away, and I set a stonied until the evening sacrifice. So, first thing we need to look at, here's what he didn't do. Okay? When you hear this news and you're like, are you kidding me? I mean, I, he didn't handle it the way I would handle it, in other words. I mean, how, how have you been handling all this news lately? Do, do you just react, knee-jerk reaction, do, do, do you kind of fly off the handle? Do you lash out verbally? How, how, do we, how do we handle it? Look what he did. When I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and set down a stony. He's in deep affliction. His understanding of possible outcome of sin brings judgment. That word a stony there means deprived briefly of the power to act. He's dazed. He's filled with dismay. He, he's kind of, when, when he hears this, he's kind of taken back and he puts his hand over his mouth. It's kind of that moment. It's not, I'm going to react immediately. I'm going to get angry just like that. I, I'm, I'm going I'm to post something. I'm going I'm to get at him. I can't believe this is going on. He didn't do that. He, matter of fact, he, he was kind of taken back. Look at verse 4. 
Then were assembled unto me every one that trembled at the words of God of Israel because of the transgression of those that had been carried away. Here's what he did. He got around some God-fearing people. Hey, when something like that comes into our life, the first thing we need to seek out is godly counsel. Those that love God will help us what? They'll help us serve God. So immediately he gets around people of like-minded people. And plus, he gave it a little time. He didn't immediately respond to the news that he had just heard with, with the uh, opportunity for who knows what kind of repercussions. How we act and react, and I can't, I, I, I'm, I struggled writing this down, okay? But, but sometimes when you get up here, guess what? I just got to give you the truth instead of giving you how I should act. You follow me? How we act and react is much more important than what we say or don't say. So when Ezra was approached with this, hey, they broke the law. They were intermarrying. A spiritual problem, a direct violation of God's law. He didn't lash out, get angry, knee-jerk, and fly off the handle. He was concerned. He... Uh, Secondly, you'll see he was ashamed. Ezra was ashamed of their sin. Look at verse 5. And at the evening sacrifice, I arose from my heaviness. And having rent my garment and my mantle, he, he tore his clothes and his robe, and he fell upon his knees. I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God and said, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blushed to lift up my face to Thee, my God. For our, not there, he didn't throw them under the bus. He said, for our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass has grown up unto the heavens. See, what he did is he owned his part. I didn't see anything in there about Ezra intermarrying anybody. And he didn't say, look what they've done, God. They have put us in this spot. And would you please refrain from giving us the judgment from what they have done. Look where we are right now in America. I don't know about you, but I say they sometimes. I say them. Look what they. How about look what we? How about how did we get here? Own our own part. That's what Ezra's doing. He's admitting that, hey, I had a part in this. We all have a part at some point. But Ezra is, he's embarrassed. He's humiliated over somebody else's sin. I don't know about you, but I'm very guilty in the busyness of life of, of being desensitized and, and, and becoming kind of calloused to sin. And, and, and as long as it's not affecting me, then it'll be okay. I don't have to be concerned about that because it's not affecting me. Well, we're talking about restoration here and what the formula for that is. And, and look what Ezra is doing. He, he's taking a, a heartfelt approach to this. Look, I'm part of this. I'm ashamed. I'm humiliated. I don't know about you, but, but right now, it, it, it is a, it's, it's a shaming time. It's a shaming time. So he was ashamed. Thirdly, you'll see this. Basically, verses 7 through 15 is going to describe how Ezra, he not only was astonished, 
And of course, he was ashamed of, of, of their sin. But he acknowledged, Ezra acknowledged the facts. Look at the facts he spews out right here from uh, verses 7 through 15. He just goes right down the line. Right now, he's, he's saying, look, I'm going to get real. I'm going to get honest. I'm going to kind of go through, take a trip down memory lane. And I'm going to kind of remember what God has done for us. Remember where he's brought us from. And I, I'm going to just get honest with myself and understand why we are in the place that we are in. You know, sometimes we, we, just, need to, we just need to get real with who we are and, and, and how we got to where we are. Look at verse 7. Since the days of our fathers, have we been in a great trespass unto this day? And for our iniquities, have we, our kings and our priests, have been delivered in the hand of the king of the lands to the sword, to captivity, and to a spoil, and to a confusion of a face, to a confusion of face as it is this day. Basically, Ezra's admitting right here, hey, I know how we got here. I, I don't have to wonder. I don't have to try to figure it out. Lord, I know exactly. God, I know exactly how we got here. Verse 8. And now for a little space grace. I like that little phrase. That's pretty cool. A little space grace. And now for a little space grace hath been showed from the Lord of our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in this holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. He's saying, look, he's getting real and he's, he's, he's acknowledging the facts that, hey, God has shown nothing but mercy and grace. And, and just for a little short time, he's, he's given them a, a nail. If you, if you took a map up here and you kind of drove a nail in it, He's given us this place right here for a certain period of time for His work. Just for this time. He's given us mercy and grace and He's acknowledging that. Look at verse verse 9. For we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage. But He hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us a reviving, to set up the house of our God and to repair the desolations thereof and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. Verse 10. And now, O Lord, and now, O our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken thy commandments, which thou hast commanded by the servants, the prophets, saying, The land unto which you go to possess it, it is an unclean land with filthiness of the people of the lands, with their abominations, which have filled it from one end to another with their uncleanness. Verse 12, Now therefore give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto your sons, nor seek their peace or their wealth forever, that you may be strong and eat of the good land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. Verses 10 through 12, he's saying, look, in verse 10, hey, God, where, where do we go from here? I don't even know where to go from here, question mark. In, in, in essence, what he's saying is help. We, I know how we got here. I mean, all you've done is provided mercy and grace, and you've given us a little time right here in this one spot to do your work, and, 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 and I know how you've provided for us, and, and I know exactly how we got here, so where do we go from here? Have we, have we learned our lesson yet? Have we? Did we go a little too far this time? Is basically what he's saying there. 
Look at verses 13 through 15. And after that, and after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great trespass, seeing that Thou, our God, hast punished us less than our iniquities deserve, and hast given us such deliverance at this, should we again break Thy commandments and join in affinity with the people of these abominations? Wouldest not Thou be angry with us till Thou hast consumed us? so that there should be no remnant nor escaping. Verse 15, O Lord, of, o Lord God of Israel, Thou art righteous, for we remain yet escaped as it is this day. Behold, we are before Thee in our trespasses, for we cannot stand before Thee because of this. He starts out in verse 13. He says, hey, I just thank God that we haven't suffered more punishment than we already have. Thank you for your mercy. And he says, in essence, that have we not learned our lesson again? Have we gone too far this time? So he got real. He acknowledged the facts. He's, he's confessing while he's crying out for help. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like that might be where we need to be in America right now? Uh, we're talking about restoration. He hasn't one time flew off the handle and attacked anybody at this point. At all. He, 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 he was astonished. He was ashamed. Humiliated. He, he had a heart felt uh, for their sin that he didn't even commit. But he admits, hey, I know how we got here. It's, it's, no, it's no surprise. I mean, if... if I've seen how you took care of us, your mercy, your grace. We sinned. We went through that whole cycle after cycle after cycle. I know how we got here. And then fourthly, and this is probably the, probably the toughest one, is Ezra acted. See, sometimes, a lot of times, we can be astonished. We can, we can feel some humiliation, some, uh, some shame for our sin. We're sorry. We confess. Agree with God. But then we never get to the action part of restoration. You say, what, am I, what do I mean by that? Look at verse 10. By the way, as far as, as far as acknowledging the facts, what we do, or what I do sometimes, I don't know about you, but what I do is, is when I, in my process of acknowledging all these facts, that maybe I've done something that I know the Lord didn't want me to do. But I'm going to justify that, so I'm going to skew the facts to where it's in my favor, to where it doesn't make me look quite as bad. Ezra didn't do that. He's saying, hey, I can't believe we're not punished more than we actually have been. But anyway, Ezra acted. Look at chapter 10. We're not going to go through all the way through 10, so y'all don't look at me real big. <laughs> chapter 10, verse 1. Now when Ezra, let's, let's read this little phrase right here. Now when Ezra had prayed and when he had confessed. So the, every bit of that we just read in chapter 9, guess what he just did? He prayed, he confessed. First of all, there's no need to, honestly, we won't pray and confess until we have a heartfelt shame of sin. 
until we have a and until we're sensitive to sin, we're not going to get on our knees in our face and confess and pray because we don't think or 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 we may not appear to think that we have a problem. Now when Ezra had prayed and when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, look what happened. There assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children for the people wept very sore. You say, what's the biggest part? What, what, what's the... What's the big deal? Well, first of all, our issue is this, or my issue is this. Either we act immediately without the praying and confessing, or we don't act at all. That's why it's the hardest part. Because we can have all the knowledge. And we can, we can understand all the, all the facts and the truths of the Word of God. And we can be convicted. We can have that Holy Spirit conviction. But if we don't act on what we're convicted about, guess what we've done? All we've done is made ourselves a miserable person. So he acted. I believe his, his prayer was immediately answered right here. Because as soon as he got done confessing and praying, all of a sudden all these people show up. Men, women, children, and no doubt, some of them had, had been involved in that sin of intermarrying. Now, how did he get them to do that? Did he go out and, and chastise them and round them up and bring them in here and say, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind? That's not really how he did that. He had a heartfelt compassion for their sin collectively. He prayed, he confessed, he acknowledged the facts. And oh, by the way, he did his part. And God always does his part. He always does his part. The problem is that sometimes we fail to do our part. I feel like Ezra done his part right here. Now when he had prayed, when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children for the people wept very sore. They, they prayed. They confessed. They repented. God always does His part, as I would mentioned. If we don't watch it, we get in situations like we're in now. I mean, you think about it. Every time we have an uproar of something in America or, or, or in our family or in our church, at that particular point in time, we become pretty spiritual people. And if we don't watch it, we get desensitized and we go back to business as usual. Well, the formula here of, of, of restoration is he was astonished, he was ashamed, had a heartfelt, he acknowledged the facts, and then he acted on it. And, and we're not going to go through the whole chapter, but I'm going to tell you, after this happened and, and, and prayers were answered and obviously there was some conviction on some people because they all showed up together. Women, men, and children, and they wept very sore. Here's what he did. He didn't just stop there. You can read through the rest of chapter 10. He assembled them all together and now after he had that heartfelt compassion and, and he, he, he had his spirit right... Now he's going to say, 
He demanded. He assembled the people and demanded separation. You're intermarried. You've got to do away with that wife. Now, do you think they would have taken that message quite as well from the get-go? Absolutely not. But he went about the restoration in the correct way. Because a lot of times, the, the message that we have, even though it's a true message, absolutely true, if we give it to them right off the bat, they're not willing to accept that message. But if they know, hey, he has a heartfelt, she has a heartfelt compassion for me in the sin that I'm in. And, and, and I know there's only one way to get out. And you know, the pastor talks about that hole that everybody's born with. And, and we try every way under the sun to fill that thing up. And in some ways are just absolutely crazy. And we're like, oh, well, what are you doing? But if we take that message directly to them immediately, they may not be ready to accept that. So he acted. He assembled the people, demanded separation. In chapter 10, uh, verses 10 and 11, Ezra the priest stood up and said unto them, Ye have transgressed and have taken strange wives to increase the trespass of Israel. Now therefore, make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers and do His pleasure and separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. So now he's giving it to them. He's demanding, hey, this is what's going to happen. You're, you're, you're going to have to separate. Do away, with you. do away with those wives if you're intermarried. Now, so that's great. They got it right in the rest of chapter 10. But here's the thing. We'll look at verse 44. Even though they were restored okay, in fellowship, even though Ezra led them in the right way to become restored. Guess what? There's still consequences to sin. Look at verse 44. All these had taken strange wives, and some of them had wives by whom they had what? Children. So yes, God restores. But the consequences of sin many times still remain. Hey, when we're restored after all this stuff that, that we're dealing with is over, and, 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 we, and we restore, and we're, we're brought into a, uh, a time of restoration. If we do, if not, we'll be in heaven to be restored in. Then, when, when we get to that point, the consequences of this time, those times, the past times, they still remain. That's why the Bible says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. That's why we should have a sensitivity to sin. Not only in my life, but in your life. But that's the pattern of restoration. Without preparation, there is no restoration. You say, I would love to have handled that restoration like Ezra did. You know Ezra's not some superhuman. He, he, he's just like me. He's just like you. But restoration begins with separation. Flip back to Ezra chapter 7. I skipped this verse on purpose. Ezra chapter 7. Look at verse 10. 
Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. Remember how he was introduced as a, as a priest and a ready scribe of the law of Moses. And he was ready, he was skilled in the law, and he was, he was instant and quick, and, and he knew how to handle the law. And there was nothing special about him other than this. This is how he could handle that restoration. This is how he could handle that news. This is the same way you and I can begin to help with the restoration of our land. Chapter 7, verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Ezra had prepared his heart. Hey, that idea prepares to, to be firm, to be stable, to be established. Just like Psalm 1 says, planted by the trees. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the... Somebody help me. Some of you are, you people. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Hey, we want to be planted like a tree. We want to be, we want to be prepared, firm, but look what he's preparing. He's not preparing the exterior. See, we, we, try to, we, pre, we try to prepare the outside, the outer man, the look right, smell right, do right. But when it comes right down to it and everything flies apart, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter what you got on the exterior. It's going to matter what you got right here. Look what he says. For Ezra had prepared his heart. He's preparing his heart, the inner man, to seek the law of the Lord to seek, to resort to, to study, to frequently consult the law of the Lord. And, again, if we stop right there, all we are are very educated biblical scholars, right? What's the rest of that verse say? And to do it. Once we know it, we understand it, we do it. And to teach in Israel. Now, that word teach there... Or, or the word do has to, it means to do or to accomplish. But the word teach, teach means obviously teach, but it even means more to exercise in. So now let's read it again. For Ezra had prepared his heart, his inner man, to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, to accomplish it, and to teach in Israel, to exercise, to display in Israel, to live out in Israel statutes and judgments. That's how Ezra was prepared to lead in the restoration. Because without preparation, he was already prepared. See? Without preparation, there is no restoration. Galatians 6 1, one of my favorite verses. Now, we can live this one out. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, Restores such a one in the spirit of what? Meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So when we think of Ezra, we think about how he prepared his heart for a time such as he was in in chapter 9. When he could have flew off the handle, he could have had a knee-jerk reaction, he, should have, he could have gathered them all up, pointed his finger. But that's not the way he led restoration. That's not the way we're going to lead it either. Let's be 
the picture of Christ that we should be. Um, you know, the pastor always said, I'm about done. The pastor always says, you know, ministry falls under one of two categories. It's either restoration, which we're talking about tonight, or reconciliation, right? Well, if you think about this, uh, salvation is really very similar. You take the similar path as he did in restoration. He was astonished. He was amazed, taken back. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. How in the world could somebody, how could God send His only Son to die for somebody like me? I mean, that, that, that takes me back. He was ashamed. Romans 3.23 For all sin to come short of the glory of God. He acknowledged the facts. The fact is our sin will send us to a literal place called hell with an eternal separation from a holy God. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And then He acted on it. How do we act on it? Hey, it's by grace are we saved through faith. We didn't do anything. It's a gift. But what do we have to do? Romans 10, 9, we hear it every week. We've got to confess with our mouth. We've got to agree with God. That's our part. That's us acting on it. Confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead. Restoration, reconciliation. So as we go through these next few months, it's going to get a little crazier probably, but, but listen. Let's use the example that Ezra set for us as the formula for restoration. There is no restoration without preparation. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for the time You've given us, Lord. Thank You for Your Word. I thank You, Lord, that Your Word is alive and in uh, living and, and, and has direction for the day that we live in, God. I just pray that we would yield to what we know to be true about you, God. Just, uh, I pray for our country. I pray for our leaders. I pray for our land. I pray that we would be uh, people here at Victory Way, Lord, that uh, that would have that spirit of of, of restoration. And just uh, as we go out this week, I pray that we would understand and practice the truths and be a, a ready scribe, just just like Ezra was. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right, y'all.